Father in heaven, would you speak to your people today? Would you speak to me even as I speak? And would you speak to all my friends here who have gathered, not to hear from me, but to hear from you? And would you use what happens in the next few minutes to change our lives and to teach us more about how to live and about yourself? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to tell you guys something that I think you already know. The world is not the way it's supposed to be. Have you guys noticed? Okay, something else that most of you probably know, but maybe some of you don't, is that we are in a process that culminates with the day that Jesus comes back and establishes his kingdom from Jerusalem, and he reigns. And he renews all things so that the cries of our hearts for the way that things ought to be are finally done. Don't you look forward to that day? Yeah. Amen. And that process has gone on for a long time, as you've noticed. And a lot of you are thinking, Lord, surely it's got to be close to time now. But I want us to back up again and remind us where we are. That if we go back several thousand years to the time of the book of Judges, what God was doing then is he, in order to complete the process that we're still looking forward to, he chose a little piece of land, little piece of land that we now call Israel, and chose a little people group that we call the Jews. And his intention was to use this people group in this piece of land to establish his kingdom that would ultimately in the future culminate with Jesus. So he brought the Jews out of Egypt, gives them, gives them an assignment as they go into this promised land and, says, and tells them because there's people in the land who are worshiping gods other than him, and it's his land. He's said, that, that's my land. That's my place. You guys are going to go in and you are going to oust, you're going to expel the people groups and the false gods who claim domain there. And as you know, as we've been talking about, they don't do so well. In fact, rather than, rather than injecting the foreign gods and the foreign people, instead, they follow them. They embrace them. And this is why we read several times in the book of Judges, instead of following God's law, everyone just did what was right in their own eyes. And so what did God do? He hands his people over to the enemy people who are in the land in order to teach them that they won't succeed. And of course, they don't succeed. And time and time again, we see them cry out to the Lord. And so this is where we start. In Judges 13, verse 1, again, the Israelites, that, that, that word again, if you've got your Bible open, circle that word because it goes on and on. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and so he, the Lord delivered them into the hands of the, this time, it's the Philistines. And each time he hands them over to their enemies, the people repent, they cry out to God, and God raises up these leaders to set them free from the oppression of their enemies when the people ask God to do that. So, in this case, we are studying the 
raising up of this, this man, Samson, that God plans to use to set them free and to deliver them. And so, what do you guys know about Samson? He's strong, exactly. I thought you'd say that. He's strong. Is she the only one who knows about Samson? You guys, Larry just practiced this with you, that this is participation. Yeah, I get to speak, but you guys got to answer me when I, because I ask lots of questions, as you know. Okay, so Samson's strong. And where does Samson get his strength? I, yes, somebody over here said it. Hair doesn't give people strength. Strength comes from the Lord. The hair was a symbol of him being set apart for the purposes of God. But the ultimate strength comes from the Lord. And as you read carefully through the four chapters that deal with Samson's life, which we don't have time to read through all today, you start to, get, you start to see this, that Samson wasn't Mr. Biblical Arnold Schwarzenegger who had bulging muscles, but instead, as you read through it, you start to get the, the realization that Samson was more like a guy like maybe me or maybe you who wouldn't have been able to do anything except that the Spirit of God came upon him in power, giving him strength at the times that he needed it. Okay, so here's the story. Before Samson is even born, the angel of the Lord appears to Samson's parents and explains that this boy is going to be born that will be anointed by the Lord, but that that boy is to be a Nazarite all his life. So you guys don't know what a Nazarite is because we don't do that. But this means, among other things, that he's going to not have any wine his whole life and he's not going to have any haircuts his whole life. And why is that? That's going to be a sign, a symbol of his devotion to God. But as he grows up, he is anything but devoted to God. Just like the rest of the Israelites, instead of taking charge and having victory over the people that he has called to defeat, instead, he joins them. In fact, he loves them, particularly their women. You guys remember this story? Three times we see him get involved with Philistine women. And each time, the whole thing ends in a fiasco. The first couple times, he loses his temper, stomps off, slams the door, sends angry texts, and then beats up a bunch of Philistines in revenge for what just happened. But the third time that he's involved with a girl, with a woman, her name is Delilah, it backfires on him. Let's read how this works out in Judges 16, verse 15. So, of course, everybody's trying to find out why Samson's so strong. And she says to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? 
And she nags him and nags him and nags him until he was tired to death. He's like, stop bugging me. And so finally, in verse 17, he told her everything. No razor has ever touched, no razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite set apart for God since my birth. And he finds out that he finds out the hard way that this girlfriend of his really doesn't love him either. In fact, she's being used by his enemies to try to destroy him. That's what they try to do. They try to destroy him, and this is how it happens. When she finds out that there's a connection between his hair, representing his anointing, and his strength, even though she doesn't understand it all, Judges 16, verse 19, this is what happens. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called for a man to come in and shave off his seven braids. He's got dreadlocks. And so she began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Now, why does his strength leave him? We're going to find out in the next verse. And then, once his hair is cut off, she calls to him, Samson, the Philistines are here to get you. And apparently, he'd already been bound. As he wakes up and he thinks, I'll go out and I'll shake myself free and I'll beat those guys up. And at first, he doesn't realize what's happened. Read, read the next, last part of verse 20. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. That's horrifying. The Lord had left him. Why would the Lord do that? Well, the Lord did it because Samson didn't value the Lord. Samson didn't value the Lord and he didn't value the purposes of God for his own life. He lived for himself using the gifts of God that had been given him for his own glory. And it's like the Lord finally says, Samson, you have it your way. You get to find out what it's like to live in your own strength. And what happens, verse 21, the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza, and binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison. Some of you guys are like, what's grinding in the prison? Whatever it is, it doesn't sound good, does it? Well, why don't you see a picture here? Okay, now that's not Samson. But I want you to notice the big stone there. And you'll notice the circle. That donkey, as that donkey moves around, as he pushes, as he walks, that stone grinds wheat to prepare it for baking. This is what you have to do. We don't, who's got a wheat field? Anybody? Yeah, well, who ate wheat? We all did. So we don't know the process, but this is what it, the way they used to do it. Now imagine instead of the donkey, it's Samson. They bind him to that millstone. And here's this hero of a, hero of a man who was supposed to 
defeat the enemies of God's people, we now see him serving the very enemies that he was supposed to defeat. He's in this dungeon day after day, pushing that millstone around. He's unable to see because now his eyes are gone. He's living in filth. He has no freedom. And worst of all, he's separated from the people of God and serving the enemies of God. And as he pushed that grinding wheel, what do you think he was thinking about? What would you think about? When you've been in those kinds of situations, what have you thought? I'm sure he was thinking over the past 20 years of his life, thinking of what God had called him to do, thinking about what he'd actually done, and how he'd taken what God had given him and used it for his own glory. And surely he must have been starting to pray, thinking, why is this happening, God? Why did you let this happen? I thought I was supposed to have victory over all these people. I wish I could redo all that I've messed up. God, give me one more chance to fulfill your will for my life. To make my life significant in the building of your kingdom. And there he goes, round and round. All alone in discouragement. But let's see what happens in verse 22. Verse 22, chapter 16, we're told. The hair on his head began to grow. People, this isn't just about hair. This is about the growing of this symbol of anointing power from God. And the call of God to complete the mission that he'd given Samson. And so as Samson's hair begins to grow, I think Samson starts to think about who he really is, about his true identity, starts to think about who God truly is, about his identity, and about what he was supposed to do and what he's supposed to do now. He doesn't know how, he doesn't know where, but this is what I think he's doing. I think he's making up his mind as he pushes that millstone. God, if you'll just give me one more chance... I'll do whatever it takes, even if it costs me my life. And then, one day, he gets his chance. Let's read about that. In verse 23. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. Down to verse 25, well, they were in high spirits. That means, they, well, they were having the party, celebrating this capture of theirs. They shouted, bring Samson out to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. You guys want to see somebody perform like Samson? I'm not going to do it. I have no idea. And, w- and when they stood him among the pillars, so here you've got this Colosseum-type temple, They stand him among the pillars. Samson said to the servant who held his hand, 
Put me where I can feel the pillars. Smart guy. Put me where I can see the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean on them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers, all the rulers of the Philistines happened to be there. How cool is that? And on the roof, on this Colosseum-type roof, everybody watching Samson, there were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. And then Samson prayed. And this is what he said. Oh, sovereign Lord, would you remember me? Oh, God, please strengthen me just once more. And let me, with one blow, get revenge on the Philistines for my eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two pillars on which the temple stood, and bracing himself against them, his right hand on the, on the one and his left hand on the other, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all his might, and the temple came down on the ruler's and the people inside. And thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Why don't you see what's going on here? Here Samson is with his arms outstretched among people who despise him, who are laughing at him, who mock him. And there with his arms stretched out like that, he gives his life for the freedom of God's people. Does that sound familiar? Sure does. As you read through the Old Testament, there's so much, there is so much prophetic significance that points to Jesus. 210 years later, Jesus does the same thing. His arms outstretched, giving his life for the freedom of all people who call out to him. So I want us to see what this means to us, to you, to me. The story of Samson's life is the story of our lives. Here's what I mean. You also were called by God from before the time you were born to be used for his purposes in building his great kingdom. Do you believe that? Guys, this is participation. Do you believe it? Okay. You also, like Samson, were given supernatural gifting. Maybe not superhuman strength. But you have been gifted with the things that it will take you to complete the purposes that God created you for. He's given you supernatural gifting. Do you believe that? I hope so. But also, like Samson, you have time and time again Use that gifting that God gave you, not for the purposes that God gave it to you for, but we've used those giftings for ourselves, for our own purposes. We forgot that it was for God, and we thought it was for us. Maybe it was women that you worked so hard for, like Samson did, or maybe it was the power, the praise, maybe it was money, whatever it was. We have all used God's giftings in our lives to try to gain things from the world that were not intended for us. Is that right? Right. Some of you guys said right. Some of you are still thinking about it. 
Furthermore, like Samson, every one of us, as we lay in the embrace of those worldly things that we love so much, those things that we thought would bring us so much satisfaction, were betrayed by the very things that we love so much. Is that true? Some of you guys have experienced that. And so like Samson, all of us, at one time or another, finds ourselves chained to the millstone, serving the very enemies that God had created us to defeat. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And all of us must make a decision like Samson did, that as we are in the dungeon pushing that millstone, all of us, all of us must decide, will we despair and give up hope and blame God? Or will we do what Samson did in saying, God, if you'll just give me one more chance, whatever strength you'll give me, I'll use it for the glory of your name and for the building of your kingdom. Let me tell you guys where I am right now. Some of you know, most of you know, that a year and a half ago, my health gave out. For the previous 36 years, I'd gone 100 miles an hour. Why? Not for wrong reasons. I wanted to use this life for the glory of the king. And I got the privilege of, over the past 20 years, having my office at the Cornerstone at UTA, where we ministered to thousands and thousands of students. So many students from all over the world. And from there, we did ministry in the Philippines and in Japan and in India and other places. And my plan was that I would continue at that pace until the day I got to see Jesus. But then one day, about a year and a half ago, I couldn't hardly walk. And I couldn't talk without major pain. And we went to a string of doctors, did tests, said, try this medicine. They did a couple of surgeries that almost killed me. And the result was that I lay on the floor at our home for months, unable to do the things that I, that I wanted to do. And, and laying there wondering, God, am I ever going to be able to proclaim your goodness to the world again? Isn't that what you created me for? I wondered, God, what, what do I need to do? What sin do I need to confess? Who do I need to pray for me? But the, really the hardest thing in all that wasn't the pain. It was that I, I felt like I was missing out on fighting in the battle. I mean, I, you ever been in a, on a sports team where they made you sit on the bench? I felt like, Lord, why are you doing this? I fought with all my strength for your glory. And I spent months alone as the Lord made me lie down in green pastures. I wasn't lonely. My family was with me. I spent more time with my family than I ever had before. And that was wonderful. And yet, I wondered and thought and asked. And I don't know why the Lord allows, allowed that, why he's still allowing it. 
and I've asked him. But this is what, this is the closest thing he's told me, is it's not your business. Your life is mine. I've told, you've told me a thousand times, Steve, that I can do whatever I want, and I don't have to explain anything to you. And I held on to that. I said, okay, Lord, here I am. If, if my pain brings you more glory than me being well, I'll take it. And I still don't know what's going on. But I want, I, I, this I know, that God never wastes time and he never wastes pain. And if he wants to do something with my life that I don't understand, I'm okay with it. Now, some of you are in that situation right now. Some of you feel like you're, that, you're, that you've been in the dungeon. You're pushing that millstone around and you don't know what is going on. But here's what I want to ask you to do. Whether you're in that situation now or you've been in that situation before or, what, or, the, or maybe you're going to be in that situation in the future, would you and would we all together this morning as we're getting ready to close, would you make up your mind that you'll give all for his glory? Whatever you got left, whatever strength you've got left, whatever opportunity you've got left, that you will give him glory with what you've got left. Here's where I am right now. It's still so painful to talk. This week has been especially painful to talk. It's still so painful to talk. I still only have about 20% of the strength that I used to have. I can only meet with one or two people a day when I used to meet with 20 people a day. And I'm not sure still what the Lord is doing. But here's what I've determined. Whatever it costs, whatever it happens, this life is to bring glory to the king. No matter what, I'm going to put my eyes on Jesus, and I'm going to run into battle as hard as I can, as fast as I can. And when I can't run any longer, I'm going to walk. And when I can't walk, I'm going to crawl until I can't crawl anymore. And even then, I'm going to use whatever strength or whatever I have left available to me to proclaim glory to the king. And use this life for whatever purpose he created me for. So as we close, here's what I want to ask you guys to do. Would you join me in that attitude? Would you, would you say, me too? Whatever happens to me, whatever's happened to me, whatever people have not forgiven me, whatever hurt I've experienced, whether I lost my eyes or lost my job or lost my friends or lost whatever. God I'm here for you, and today I'm swearing my allegiance to you to do whatever it takes for your glory if you'll just give me the opportunity. So, as Larry leads us in just one verse of this song of dedication, of surrender to the Lord, if, if you're willing to say, yeah, I'm, me too, I'm in, would you stand up? And if, if, if you don't mean that, then don't stand up. Or if you're a person who can't stand up because you've been through this, then you just raise your hand. If you can't raise your hands, then lift your face. But guys, together as a church, guys, this is where we are. The Lord has called us to give our lives for His glory. So I just want to invite you guys to stand up as He sings, and then we'll close in prayer. Take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to me 
take my moments and my days, let them flow ceases praise. Take my hands and let them at the impulse of thy love, take my feet and let them be swift and guys say this out loud. I love you, Lord. I trust you with my life. I surrender all that I am to you. Would you use my life for your glory? Lord Jesus, you know our hearts. You know the things that we wish from life. But Lord, would you help us today that above all those things that we'd want to live a life that honors you. This church, Lord, these people, our simple lives that don't have much to offer, would you supernaturally use us for your glory in spite of ourselves? We offer ourselves to you. Amen. And as we're closing, I just want you guys to, to remind yourself of that truth, that you are for him. All day today. All this week, all the rest of your lives here on earth until we finally get to see him. If you're new here today, I want to invite you to come over to the Welcome Center um, so we can get to know you. And if you've got any other questions uh, about the church where people aren't new, then uh, right over there we've got the uh, Connection Corner. So, you're dismissed. Let's live for the glory of the King. Amen. Amen.